Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas and today I'm taking over for the wonderful Alex Wilhelm who is on vacation. So everyone who is tweeting at him, don't tweet at him. So he actually takes a break. Everyone else, it is August 15th, 2022 and I'm super excited to be here to start off my week with podcasting. So before we jump into it, I want to give a quick shout out to LA Tech Week. It is just starting a lot of emerging fund managers founders and entrepreneurs that I've been following for a long time will be there. So I hope everyone enjoys. Um, Feel free to tip me interesting things that you hear during that yacht party tomorrow. And everyone else, let's jump into talking about the markets. So let's jump right into markets. So the story this morning that is influencing all different stocks around the world is that China's central bank slashed two key lending rates. And that was really to revive demand and spending because a lot of the economy unexpectedly slowed last month in July, especially in the industrial output and property sector spaces. A lot of things were flat as well. You know, just factory and retail activity in general has been squeezed by a bunch of different factors, which I don't need to list right now. But the bank's choice is already having an impact. The result, Asian stocks are mixed and European stocks were slightly down and flat. U.S. equities were also slightly lower this morning. But that is after a very positive week, and we are bracing for bigger retail earnings this week. So there's a lot more to come, as always, on the stock market. But as far as vibe checks go, meh, but not Oh, no. (laughs) Um, And then as far as crypto goes, Bitcoin is currently trading at 24,123.30 and Ethereum is trading at 1,902.20. Now let's jump into our big tech item. So here I'm going to try something different. I'm going to actually throw to Amanda Silberling, a senior culture writer at TechCrunch and the co-host of Wow If True podcast. It's super good out every Wednesday to talk to us a little bit about a failed merger and she's found a way to insert some humor into this. So it's really interesting and I'm going to turn to her right now. Last week, the app monetization and marketing company AppLovin offered to merge with Unity, the most popular game engine, for $20 billion. But there was a catch. Less than a month earlier, Unity had agreed to another merger deal with IronSource, a smaller competitor to AppLovin, in a deal worth $4.4 billion. So AppLovin's proposal was kind of shady and probably tempting since Unity is operating in the red right now, but ultimately the initial agreement with IronSource was found to be more beneficial for Unity shareholders, even though the literal dollar amount on the AppLovin deal is higher. My guess is that Unity stuck to its deal with IronSource because it gives the game engine more control, and as TechCrunch's Ingrid London pointed out, M&A can be a good strategy to get a company back on track in a rough market. Right now, Unity needs some help, despite its mega popularity in the gaming industry. It's interesting because it's not the only billion dollar acquisition that has failed to go through this morning. So news also broke that Galaxy Digital called off its $1.2 billion acquisition of BitGo, which is a crypto custodian. And if you don't know too much about these companies, it was actually the crypto sector's first $1 billion deal that was announced at the height of this record token price surge. So the fact that it's falling apart as the market reverses isn't a huge surprise, but of course, a high-profile deal, $1.2 billion, no longer happening. Pretty insane. And I'll give you one last piece of tea on that. The reason it acquired somewhat is because the San Francisco-based startup BitGo failed to provide its audited financial statements for 2021. Sus. 
Okay, so let's talk about startups. This is a hard one to do without Marianne and Alex because I really want to just kind of call both of them up at the same time, put them on speakerphone and hear what they have to say about Flow, which is Adam Newman's new real estate focused startup. So unlike WeWork, which he began to really disrupt commercial real estate, Flow is all about the rental real estate market. The goal per Andreessen Horowitz, the lead investor in this latest round, is about creating a branded product with consistent service and community features. It's interesting for many reasons. And I want to start with Andreessen Horowitz because I'm an early stage venture reporter. This is Flow's first check um, or, or at least first known check. And so there's a lot there. So Announced this morning, Mark Andreessen is going to be taking a board seat in the company eventually. It is the largest individual check that Andreessen Horowitz says it has ever written in a round of funding to a company. And it's valuing Flow at more than $1 billion before the company has even opened its doors. The goal of Flow, I believe, is to open in 2023. So a unicorn valuation for a repeat founder that, of course, I have to say it, is not non-controversial. I mean, Adam... And WeWork has been equated with the beginning of unicorns being put in their place and kind of the height of hype, overvaluations, overpromises, the danger of venture putting into someone who is pitching vision more than reality. And to see venture back in such a massive way behind such a fraught, honestly, leader is, is so surprising. I, and I'll say it. I think there's a lot of people who said it's not surprising. I'm, I'm surprised to see this happening when the markets are reversing. I would not have been surprised to see this happening a year ago, but I am today. And I am really interested to see what Flow's story is going to be and, and how it plans to actually make something equitable. I mean, in Anderson's blog post, he mentioned that the company may address this idea that people pay rent for decades and own zero equity. You know, is there a way where renters can have security, community and ownership? I mean, that does transform. And I'm not going to disagree with the idea of transformation. I am going to cast a question on the founder on what we've learned from the WeWork saga and what's going there. I would love to sit down and talk to Adam Newman about this new company and what he's learned. I actually think in a super unbiased way, it would be a great idea. So anyways, I could talk about this unicorn forever, and I'm sure we will when Marianne, who is our prop tech reporter on our Equity Friday episode, so stay tuned. But I want to pivot us away from Adam Newman and real estate. And now I want to talk about Rune, which wants to educate patients with sourced information on their conditions. And if that sounds familiar and you're someone who's like me and will Google even an itch in their throat and walk away, either going to urgent care or the hospital, that totally makes sense. I would say Rune really wants to be a WebMD alternative but instead of being this mass catch-all site, the company is really jumping out the gate with this differentiator being all about vetted information. The goal is really to reassure patients and, and source strictly from doctors, patients, and caregivers. Not so much kind of a forum and more medical education platform, which is a really interesting play as someone who used to cover ed tech. The company is starting with giving information on a type of brain tumor, has 200 active users, but it will eventually expand to include data on dementia, pediatric cancers, AI, ALS. Oftentimes when I talk to healthcare VCs, they've talked to me a little bit about proactive health and people kind of, well, proactively taking care of their health conditions. I think things like Rune are pretty useful in terms of making that a reality because I think we talk so much about, let's say, financial literacy, but I don't see the same happening with healthcare literacy. So I have a lot of questions on pricing and how broad it goes, but until now, all you need to know is that it exists and it just raised $7.5 in seed funding from Firstmark, TMV, and Sequoia. So cheers to that and let's make healthcare better. 
I want to end with some quick hits, a positive and a negative. So I'll start with the negative so we can end on a positive because it is Monday and we do need to be productive this week. So the negative is that we're seeing yet another layoff from Peloton. It has slashed 780 jobs and is closing stores, hiking prices. I mean, wow. We've been following the Peloton story for a long time. It has a new CEO. It has shut down slash limited its bike creation. And, and the fact that it is now formally exiting last mile logistics, closing remaining warehouses and kind of shifting delivery to others is a pretty insane shift for the company. It's also not the first layoff it's had. It's had rounds of layoffs this year, kind of continuing this trend we're seeing. Companies will make their first round, realize that wasn't enough, and then go deeper. And in some cases, in Peloton's case, we're seeing even more than two rounds happen. So it's something to watch, and it's something that I have to mention, because even though layoff news continues, it is people's jobs we're seeing getting cut. And that's a really human story that matters a lot. But as promised, I want to end with a positive story, which is that the silicon peach is still ripe. And that is not a phrase I've ever said before. So, so apologies if that sounds awkward. But what I have to say is Atlanta's venture ecosystem stands strong. And that's according to Dominic Midori Davis from the TechCrunch Plus team. So Dom pointed out that seed stage deals in the area have remained steady in Atlanta. Last year, Atlanta-based seed deals raised $271.79 million, with Q2 2021 alone witnessing $103 million invested from just 26 seed stage deals. Sure, Q2 2022 reached kind of a more modest number, so just so far, $75.12 million. But the seed deals do remain on track to hit at least $200 million this year, having raised $162.31 million so far, according to PitchBook. That, to me, is a positive story. And it's, it's, it's kind of this reminder that as people, and by people I mean investors, get more risk-averse, they are still betting on these geographies that have made massive progress during the pandemic. Atlanta's venture ecosystem has always been smart, full of insane talent. Ventures needed to catch up. So when I say progress, I don't mean in the entrepreneurs or the worth of companies there. I mean it in more the intention that's now rightfully being pushed there. And I'll end with a quote from Lisa Calhoun, a general partner at Valor Ventures. She said that there's been a pullback in valuations, but there's been absolutely no lessening of entrepreneurial energy. The venture reset has been coming for a long time. And quote, the fundamental basis of that is our exceptional talent population. I love ending with talent and entrepreneurial energy because if you listen to Equity Wednesday, the show that I lead, a big theme is what is it going to take to get entrepreneurs out starting companies, raising companies, and then staying in those companies. It's a lot to ask for during a time where a lot of things are confusing. And so I love to feel that energy. And with that, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for being here with me this Monday. I hope you have a wonderful start to the week. You deserve it. Take a walk, get some sun, drink water, all the normal things. You can follow Equity Pod at Equity Pod on Twitter. You can follow me. I wish at Natasha, but no, my handle's at nmask with a C underscore. I tweet about everything from never have I ever to the latest tech layoffs that you should know about. And other than that, you will hear me on Wednesday and Friday this week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>